our study in the life of Abraham. Last time we were together, some three or four weeks ago, before Christmas, we covered the first part of chapter 18. Chapter 18 was after they had had the experience of the covenant being renewed by God with Abraham, and also having that experience of where God renamed Abram, Abraham, and Sarai, Sarah. And from that experience, you come to chapter 18, and we saw in the first few verses of chapter 18, a, a wonderful experience that happened. First thing was an unexpected encounter with God. Remember, Abraham was, was there, and he was in his tent on, at the Oak of Mamre, and he was sitting outside his tent door when he lifts up his eyes, and he sees these three men who are approaching. But he has a spiritual sensitivity about him enough to know that these are not just three men. These are three very special men. These are angels of the Lord who are there to come to visit with him. And he sees that with that sensitive heart and opens up his life before them. And it says when he saw them, he didn't just see them, but he saw them and he knew who they were and he realized how great they were and that they were from God because of his whole action. Here's this old man who is a, we already know he's a very wealthy man, a very powerful man, a leader among men. But we see him, when he sees these men, what did he do? He ran to them like a child. He ran to them. He, when he comes and he runs to them, he goes to meet them. He bows down before them, uh, before the earth, and he pleads with them that they would come and that they would stay and that he'd have an opportunity to feed them and minister to them. And when he asked for this opportunity to be with them, they agreed to do that and they let, let him come and he's going to pro he promised them that he would get them something to eat. So that's where we're going to pick up here in Genesis chapter 18, verses 6 through 21. You remember the way we closed that out? I told you that because they had a, he had a sensitivity to God and because he invited the, the, the angels of God basically to come and to, to fellowship with him and he wanted to take care of them, God gave him two, he was able to see two very significant world-changing events and announcements. You remember that? The first one of those we're going to talk about tonight. It's, it's a world-changing event and a wonderful announcement about a good event are a blessing and a promise. A blessing and a promise. The second of those world-changing events we'll talk about next week when that has to do with a curse and the judgment of God against sin. So what are those? Well, the first one is this promise and the blessing. The promise and the blessing is he's going to have the experience of these angels are going to announce once again to him, but for the first time, going to announce to Sarah that they're going to have a son. They're going to have a child, this child of promise, even though they are well beyond childbearing years. They're going to have this child. And what an announcement, because here is the child of promise. This is the one that God has told them about. This is the one who is going to be the father of the nations. He's going to be Isaac, who's going to be the father of Jacob, who's going to be renamed Israel, who's going to have 12 sons and the 12 tribes of Israel and the whole Israelite nation, the chosen people of God, come out of this one who is the child of promise, who's Isaac. And so the first thing he hears, the first word they give to him, is this good, blessed word 
about this promise. Listen to what happens in verse 6 and following chapter 18. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, quickly prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant and he hurried to prepare it. And he took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them and he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, Behold in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. What an announcement. Amen. Listen to what happens next. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were, were old advanced in age, and Sarah was past childbearing. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? Listen to what happens next. All right. And the Lord said to Abraham, The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a son when I am so old? Here's an awesome question, one of the first and most pertinent questions in the Bible about God. Listen to what it says. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? You need to underline that. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? If you stop right there, okay, if you just stop and you didn't get another thing out of this Bible study, all right, you don't hear another word in the Bible study. You don't learn about the promise and all this stuff that's happening. That one question asked by the angel of the Lord of Abraham and Sarah, and not only them, asked for every person and every generation since that time, that is the most important question that you might have to answer in your life. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Right? Underline that many times. At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Look what happens in verse 15. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh. For she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. No, but you did laugh. Well, let's look at this passage of Scripture. The first thing I want you to see, this is a blessing and a promise. It is a word to Abraham and to Sarah regarding the fact that a son will be born to Abraham through Sarah that very next year. Now for Abraham, this is not the first time that he has heard a promise. This is just a confirmation or an affirmation of a promise that he's already heard a number of times. You remember that when God said, 
you're going to be blessed and you're going to be a mighty nation. There are going to be mighty nations that come from you. How is that? He's going to have a, have a son who's going to be the one who brings about that nation. You remember when he told, God, he told him, even though he had no children, he said, you're going to have the, as many descendants as the stars in the skies. Remember when he said that to him? How did he have that? Because he's going to have to have a son. Whenever he thought that Eliezer, the slave, was going to have to be the one who carried out his lineage because he had no sons, God said, it's not going to be Eliezer. It's not going to be a servant or someone born in your family. It's going to be out of you. Even whenever they got together and decided to let Hagar be a part of the plan, and Ishmael was born to them, and he said, let Ishmael be blessed by you, let him be chosen one. God said, it's not Ishmael. There's going to be one that's going to be born out of you, but it's going to be born out of Sarah. Numbers of times, numbers of times, he's told Abraham over and over again, you're going to have a son. You're going to have this son. You're going, and he gives in specific details of how it's going to happen. But as far as we know, you can go back and look yourself, as far as we know, those were individual cases where God was speaking to Abraham, and we don't know that Sarah was anywhere around that. It was God's word to Abraham about what's going to happen, but Sarah hadn't heard it. Now, I'm sure when Abraham and Sarah were laying down at bed, in the bed at night, as most of us do with our spouses, we sit there and we have a conversation about what happened that day. I'm sure Abraham, during some of these experiences, said, you're not going to believe what happened today. And you're not going, you're not going to believe what, uh, what was told to me today. And, and I know you're probably going to not, not believe it, but this is what happened. I'm sure that took place, but as far as we know, as far as God saying specifically to Sarah, that you're going to have a child, we don't, we don't hear that. So this promise that's going to be made in this story is a confirmation, affirmation to Abraham, but it's a brand new word, a brand new promise for Sarah. That's why he says, where's your wife? She's in the tent. And then he says, well, this time next year she's going to have a son. And she's listening to that and laughs about it and everything else. It's the first time she has heard this promise to her, revolving around her, that a child would be born to her, a son would be born to her this time next year. So it's a confirmation as well as a brand new word for Sarah. Another interesting thing about this promise that, that the angel makes to Abraham and Sarah is he gives a specific time. He gives a specific time. He, he doesn't just say, uh, you're going you're to have a son sometime. <laughs> there, there'll be a child born to you sometime. What did he say? By this time next year, I'm coming back here. I'm going to return. And by this time next year, you will have a son. It doesn't say if it's going to happen that day, but you know it takes nine months to have one, right? But wherever along the way, there's going to be a son by the time they return this time next week. Now, what I love that about that story is, is that God doesn't have any problem about being specific about time. So many times when we're talking about God, we have to protect God, protect His image, in case He doesn't come through in time. Well, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. He'll do it one day. One day it'll happen. Don't give up. It'll happen. Isn't that what we're talking about? But that's not, God said it's going to happen 
by this time next year. It's going to happen. Specific time, specific date, God says the answer's coming. And it will be coming. Now, ladies, I want you to see something that you probably didn't recognize in this story, but I want you to see this is the first, first experience we have of a short order cook. All right, do you, do you, mother, most mothers have felt like in their lifetimes they have been short order cooks, haven't they? When the children get up and they all want something different to eat, or, or they eat in cycles. Did any of you ever eat in cycles? They all show up at different times and you had to cook as they're going along. It's kind of like a Waffle House. You know, it's, the, the Waffle House is great because they can do short order cooks in a hurry. That kind of, this is the first thing we see about a short order cook. Look, look what it says. I promise it's right there, verse 6. So Abraham, after they agreed to stay, he hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly! Quickly what? Prepare three measures of fine flour. Knead it. Y'all know what kneading is, right? Work that flour. Get it ready. And make bread cakes. So here are these angels out there. He's promised he's going to feed. And he runs quickly in there to tell Sarah, Sarah, we have got to get in a hurry. We got angels out there waiting for us to feed them. So you need to knead the flour and make the bread. At the same time, look what he does. He runs out, he runs to the Winn Dixie and, and, and gets a rump roast and asks them to defrost it so they can put it in the microwave. Does your, does your, does your Bible say that? Y'all got the wrong translation. You need one of these more modern translations. They didn't say, well, what did he do? He had to go out and he went to the herd and he gets a calf. I guess the one he could catch, <laughs> the one unlucky one who, he, who got caught, gave it to the servant for the servant to kill and slaughter and to prepare and to bring to him that it might be cooked. Short order cook, I, Right? I tell you honestly, I've been in some lines sometimes at some of these chicken places and hamburger places that I thought they were having to catch them to, before they would ever be able to cook them for me. I've, I've wanted to ask in there, have y'all caught that chicken yet? <laughs> you know, have you caught that hog yet? Have you caught something? But, but this is the real deal. They're out there catching the calf, killing the calf, processing the calf, and bringing it in so that they can cook it. At the same time, he gets curds, it says, and milk, along with baking the, the calf or getting the calf ready. And he hurries out, prepares it, and hurries and brings it to them. Is that not short order cooked? Right? It really is. But notice what happens, what his attitude is about this. It says, what was, what was Abraham doing all this time? Listen. He took the curds and milk and the calf which he prepared and placed it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. What, what, position, what position did he take? What, what was the position of Abraham whenever he's feeding these angels? The servant. That's exactly right. He is in the position of the servant. If he were not the servant, he would have reclined at the table with those angels. He would have considered himself of 
equal value as them and, and his servants would have served him. But that's not what he did. He became the servant. And he watched them eat and he stood beside them while they ate to be at their beck and call. That's why the servant was standing there. If, if they needed anything, all they had to do was speak a word and the servant was going to go and to meet that need. But instead of Abraham, who had many servants. I mean, remember he, used to, he had enough men and trained men that he defeated the armies of the kings. He had plenty of servants. He was plenty wealthy. But instead of letting him, any of his servants serve these angels, he takes the position of servant. And he stands there at their beck and call. Could I challenge you with this? That's the position we all ought to have in relationship to our Lord. Amen? Isn't that a position we ought to have? We ought to always be in a position of, of standing there ready at His beck and call. That whatever He would want, whatever He would desire, what He would ask of us, whatever He needs, that we are ready to respond. We're not turning that over to somebody else. We're not going to give that to somebody else. We're going to be that servant. And we're going to have that heart of that kind of servant. That's exactly what Abraham is doing when he stands beside him. Now, notice what happens next when he's there. Verse 9. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? They turned their attention away from Abraham and they turned their attention to Sarah. Because there's going to be an important word given to Sarah that Abraham was probably already aware of, but Sarah has not been told about. Where is your wife, Sarah? He says, Behold in the tent. And here comes the promise. Imagine this, ladies. Imagine this. You're well beyond your childbearing years. And he says this, I will surely return to you at this time next year. Now, uh, as far as we know, it doesn't record anywhere in God's Word where it records that He came back. But do but you think He did? Of course He did. Why would I say of course He did? Because that's what He said He's going to do. If the Lord's angel said that gonna, they're going to return, you can, you can bank on it. They're going to be there. So they're going to return. And it says, When we return at this time next year, and behold... Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. First word she's heard of that. This child of promise is going to be born of Sarah. Not Hagar, like she had tried before to work that out. It's not going to be Ishmael. There's going to be a son who's born of Sarah, who is 89 years old, going to be 90 when this baby is born. There's going to be a son. Not, not just a child, a son. How does God know that? How does God know that? He created him. He's in charge, amen? So he knows all of what's going to happen. There's going to be a son that's going to be born. <laughs> now, this is what Sarah says. And Sarah was listening at the tent which was behind him. Now, it gives a little footnote there. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. And Sarah was past childbearing. What happens in verse 12? Listen. 
And Sarah laughed. Notice it's very important what it says. She laughed how? Look in your Bibles. She laughed to herself. She laughed to herself. She, she wasn't out there cackling. She wasn't out there for everybody to know. She's laughing to herself. And what, what does it say? And after that, she says, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, the pleasure of having a child, bearing a child, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, here's a great truth that you need to know, you need to write down, it's important for you today. It says, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a son when I am old? What is the truth that you need to understand? The Lord knows what you think. The Lord knows what you say to yourself. The Lord knows when you laugh to yourself. He knows the very words that you speak to yourself. The Lord knows your thoughts. So be careful about your thoughts. <laughs> be careful about what you say. The Lord knows that. Now, just to give you a scriptural basis for that, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, or wait a minute, it said 12 and 13, it says this. Listen to these words. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joint and marrow, and able, listen, listen, and able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. God knows your thoughts and not only your thoughts, he knows your intent. He knows the very attitude of the words that you think. Look what else it says, 13. 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. In other words, there are no secrets before God. So be careful what you think. Be careful what you say. Because why? Because the Lord knows it. And, and Sarah had laughed and kind of make a funny in herself, saying, yeah, I'm old and now I'm going to have a baby, and sure, yeah, all right, uh-huh. And what did the Lord say? Why did Sarah do what she did? Why did she laugh about that? Well, why, why did Sarah question whether or not she could have a child when she is old, after I have told her that she will have a child this next year. Why? Why did Sarah do that? The Lord knows what you say, even to yourself. Even to yourself. <laughs> well, what would you be like if you were Sarah? I, I'd, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be just like Sarah. Listen to what Sarah said. And the Lord said to Abraham, verse 13, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am old? Is anything too difficult, O Lord? And at the appointed time, I'll return to you. At this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah denied it, however. She denied it and said, uh, I did not laugh. I did not laugh. Yeah. Have you ever gotten caught? Has the Lord ever repeated to you what you said? Has the Lord ever challenged your attitude? I'm serious. The Lord ever spoken to you and said, because what did he do? He said, I did not laugh. 
for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Oh, yes, you did. You cannot deny it. Don't try to lie about it. Just confess it. You laughed. You laughed. So whenever you get caught, whenever the Lord convicts your heart about what you said, that was lack of faith, lack of believing, He confronts you about what you said. Don't try to make excuses. Don't try to lie about it. Just go on and confess it. Amen? Because why? He already knows the truth. To close out, I want you to see this this last statement, I told you, one of the most important statements in all the Bible. And that's when he said, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Now take that one statement. I, I wish you'd write that down and put it Put it in the forefront of your mind. And in your quiet time this week, if if there's one thing you do in that quiet time, I want you to think about that statement. I want you to think about that statement. Because that question that he asked is of utmost importance, not only in Sarah's life, not only in Abraham's life, not only in the very history of the world, not only this world-changing event. It's one of the most important questions you'll ever have answered in your own life. Because what? There are things that are difficult, aren't there? Are there things difficult in life? Yes. Yes, they're difficult. You're going to face them. And if you live long enough, you're going to face more and more and more challenging. There are difficult things in life. There is no denying that, okay? But the question is, no matter how difficult it is, is it too difficult for the Lord? Is it, it may be too difficult for you. It certainly is probably too difficult for me. But is it too difficult for the Lord? And, and, and how do we answer that? The, the answer is based on what we know about the Lord. Who is the Lord? How powerful is the Lord? How knowing is the Lord? How great is our God? See, situations are more difficult the smaller our God is. Isn't that true? They're more difficult because our God is small. But if we realize how big our God is, the problems become less difficult. They're difficult for us. But is anything too difficult for the Lord? And in your life, you're going to have a chance to answer that. In your life, you're going to face some things. And and it's, it's not about you, it's about Him. Is anything too difficult for my Lord, who's Lord over my life? And the answer to that is a resounding no. There's nothing too difficult for Him. There's nothing to do. As impossible as it may seem, he's big enough, powerful enough to take care of it. Now, friend, I don't know. I don't know what your tomorrow will bring. 
I don't know what your next week will bring. You don't know that about me either. You know what? That next phone call might make a difference. Or that next visit to the doctor might happen. We don't, we don't know that. But we know this, that no matter what it is, there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. Now, how is Sarah going to realize that? She's going to realize that when? In about a year. When that baby's keeping her up all night. And when they've named him Isaac, which means laughter. And when he's crying at night and she ain't laughing much. Yeah. Going to be a blessing, that's right. That's right. She will know there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. Amen? Thank you for the truth, Father, of your word. Prepare us to walk in such a way that we can be pleasing to you no matter how difficult the situation is because nothing's too difficult for you. Thank you for the life of Abraham and Sarah. Even though she laughed, even though she laughed, she was able to see it fulfilled. May we also see your promises fulfilled in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.